Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Andreas, thank you so much for coming on the Arcade Attack podcast. It really is a, a real honour to have you. Um, so many of your games I used to play as a kid growing up in the Amiga. And uh, it, yeah, it, it, the honour's really, really, really ours. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, yourself. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'd love to start from the real early days. Do you have any sort of really early memories and fondest memories of video games while you're growing up? Yeah, I think uh, one of the games, or two of the games that stuck the most was uh, Castle of Terror. I think it was on uh, Commodore 64. Yeah. Uh, which was, well, a Dracula sort of semi-graphics uh, typing game. Uh, because of the the ambience and the atmosphere in the game was absolutely brilliant. And it just had me completely scared. <laughs> really scared at the middle of the night, so... Uh, when I was set up playing it, although I shouldn't have done all that, I was quite young at the time. Yeah. Uh, so that really stuck in my mind. I had a really good time with that. Uh, and I think the next one uh, from there on was uh, Monty on the Run, because I thought it was really, really well designed and cool and extremely fun to play. So it's, uh, I think it's them too. Uh, then, then when it comes to fond memories of all games, it was probably Outrun uh, in the arcades. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I share that uh, fond memory with a lot of people. It's just, I mean, seeing what could be done uh, and the the graphics and everything and the technology was just amazing. So yeah. that really, really got me into computer games, I think. Brilliant. I don't know it being an arcade game, but yeah. <laughs> well, they're good choices. Um, how did you first get the opportunity to enter the video game industry? Obviously, you're a fan of games growing up, but actually get, getting into the industry was that easy was there a good opportunity uh i wouldn't say easy i mean it started out with the demo scene on amiga yep. uh where we did 
did some demos. Uh, we had a little group called Craxos Five, uh, but then uh, went into Phenomena, um, and we did some demos uh, at the demo party. And obviously, that got spread around. Uh, I think we even won the demo competition or something like that. Oh, nice. And, yeah, and it, it got spread around on disc magazines, and I got contacted by Martin Brown, mm. who had the um, a disc magazine 17 bit. And uh, at that time, it was just starting to raise questions whether we could do anything, uh, whatever, really. Uh, and I think um, what went on was uh, I also got uh, in contact then with Peter Tuleby uh, and Rico Holmes, uh, yeah. which were connected through, through Martin, who did some art for the um, uh, disc magazine. Good stuff. And were you based in Sweden at the time, or did you come to the UK? And how did that sort of come about? Uh, that happened a lot, a lot later actually. Yeah. Uh, we, we started out uh, with doing um, uh, Miami Chase uh, yeah. for Amiga, and that was and uh, that was done on the remote. On remote, uh, oh, me right. and Peter Tulby was in Sweden, and I moved up to Uddevalla in Sweden for a while, and we sat there and just programming. And uh, at the same time. Um, uh, Rico Holmes did the artwork and uh, all that on remote, and uh, it then got sold to Codemasters, really. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was the first commercial game, and I was probably just got 18 or something like that to just finish school. Uh, but it did ignite in, in that instead of uh, getting a normal day job. <laughs> yeah. Got contacted by, uh, well, got contacted. We were in touch with Martin, and Martin, in his turn, knew uh, the boss of Microbyte, uh, Mick Robinson. And uh, then it was formed, Team 17, really. Crazy. Basically, Mick funded and started uh, Team 17, and that came from the name. 17-bit and Team 7, which were uh, mine and Peter Tullaby's company in Sweden. <laughs> uh, so that's how the name came about. And for we tried, just made an attempt uh, to do a first game, which was Full Contact. And that was me on code, uh, Rick on art, and Martin as a producer. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask about Team 17. You're the co-founder. Um, how how much time did you work at Team Seven, and how long did it turn into Team Seventeen? You can't, you mentioned it a bit there, but why did you decide to change the name, and what what exactly did Team Seven come to turn into? Um, well, the name. I mean, I, I think it's, it's not really a name change or anything. Team Seven was a Swedish company, uh, yep. a private company by me and Peter, and we just dropped that uh, when we when we got asked to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, Full contact, basically. Good stuff. And I think that 17-bit uh, disc magazine, that continued going for a few years, but that really had nothing to do with Team 17 in that sense. It's just it's just some some uh, thing we took the name of in that sense. Good stuff. I mean, and you were 18 at the time. I mean, that's, an, that's incredible what you think about it. Most most 18-year-olds uh, are working in small jobs, finishing college. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> Good on I meant to train electrician. <laughs> Did you honestly? Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I wow. My education, and uh, I was just about to start working on Volvo, and uh, I ended up with this instead. <laughs> Whoa! Do you ever often think 
if you still trained as an electrician, where your life would be now? Uh, I'd probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I like the honesty, Andreas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not to do trial and error, so no. <laughs> when when you first started Team Seventeen, did you then move to the UK? Were you still doing remote work? It's still based in Sweden, or I never, I never moved to England. Oh, okay. I didn't oh. want to do. That. I had my family, my friends, and all that in Sweden. But what uh, happened was that most of the nineties, I'd say that for. The duration which of on Team Seventeen, which were 12, 13 years, uh, eight yeah. to nine to two thousand one to something like that. Uh, about half of that time I spent in England, and half of that time I spent uh, working from home in Sweden. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. What was the first game you worked on at Team Seventeen? Do you remember? The Team Seventeen was full contact. It was the first game. Full contact. Sorry, yeah. Um, the first game that really. Sort of, for me at least personally got me really loving Team 17 was Alien Breed I mean one of the best games ever made I think one of the best Amiga games ever made definitely um, I mean what was your exact role in this iconic game and uh, why do you think it proved so popular? Um, my exact role was programming and to some extent I guess design but yep. uh, uh, um, but um, I, I'd say that's what made it popular was probably because we, at the time, when, if you compare other games at the time, I think it was Rico's, you got to say, amazing graphics. Yeah. Really using the 32 colors and, uh, and did some amazing stuff with that. It looked really, really nice. Uh, and it looked like an arcade game. And, and then it was, of course, we pushed the harder to the limit and it was 50 FPS and all that. And, you know, it looked and played good. And uh, I think a lot of a lot of effort went into making it um, a game, a full game with a story and all that, not just an arcade game. And the ambience and the the atmosphere in the game, I think, uh, really worked. So I think all that together. And it's also the first uh, one mega mega game. And I think that uh, it, there was actually a peak in the market for memory expansions when the game was released. Oh, good timing. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, so I think that a game that then could show how much more you could do with one meg as opposed to the half meg uh, also helped. But I think it's a lot of factors. But uh, yeah, yeah. Did you know from day one when you were working on it, you you were doing something a bit special, something a little bit different on, on the scene? I I assume. Nah. Uh, well, yeah. I, th- I thought that the more you worked on it the more of a feeling that this yeah. this can be great and you got yeah in that sense but not from the start oh, fair enough yeah I would say that uh, we thought we could do this and I thought, we thought we could do something really nice but when, when, when the pieces start to fall together and all that and uh, uh, and you could start to see after a few levels being made and all that uh, then you got the feeling what but I think it was that inspiration that really made us uh, put all effort we ever had and more into it so yeah mm. Do you know if um, Aliens, the films, Alien, Aliens, were any sort of inspiration for the game, or was there any other inspiration, other sort of media that helped create such a great game? Yeah, uh, yeah, Alien was a great. I mean, it, it was really uh, inspired by Alien. So I, I can't count the amount of times I saw that first movie. <laughs> it's great. Oh, uh, would be uh, yes, it were definitely. And um, also, I've got a question. How about Alien Syndrome on the Mega Drive? Relatively similar game. Was that ever part of the inspiration as well? 
No, uh, it really won't. Uh, I mean, uh, funnily enough, I'd say. Uh, but uh, I got that question a few times actually. But uh, to be honest, we didn't. I think we were so focused on what we did that we we never really looked at much other things at that time. Fair on the other hand, there weren't a hell of a lot of other things around either. So <laughs> yeah, but no, I can't say it were no. I think uh, one inspiration, another inspiration as a game was Gauntlet, which was a, a great game. Yeah, uh, we played that a lot as well, but that was before. I think that the idea of uh, the, the top-down view and all that mm. came from Gauntlet, uh, so we, we did steal a bit there. Well, yeah, but stealing that, I'd say, just inspired a little bit. But now Gauntlet's mm. a good game as well, to be fair. I mean, mm. you've worked on most of the Alien Breed titles, Um Including the, the the sort of reimagined, remastered 2013 version, do you have a personal favourite game in the series? And uh, would you ever like to see Alien Breed come back again? Or would you ever like to see a new Alien Breed game? Yeah, I got to correct that. I didn't actually work on the the remake. Oh, apologies, uh, sorry. Uh, but um, uh, if you were if you were to come back, I'd say I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the games out there today, it, it, it would need uh, to be extremely super polished. Like, I, I'd rather just leave it where it is, to be honest. Fair enough. No, it's it's definitely one of the most, well, the highly most respected media games out there, and I suppose you don't want to ruin the legacy at all. Fair, fair enough. Did you? So you didn't work on the 3D title, the Alien Breed 3D? No. Okay, fair. The first Alien Breed 3D on Amiga, even, uh, was... Yeah. Uh, you got to correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was Andy, Andy Cleaver. I think you're right, yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, did a fantastic job, by the way. I was amazed when I saw the result. Was, uh, how we could push that out on Amiga was quite amazing. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the fact that Amiga do first-person shooters is quite incredible, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, was, was Project X your next game, then, after Alien Breed? Was that the next game that you worked on? Oh, great question. <laughs> I yeah. I, I believe it was. I think I've got it down on your um, yeah your, your list of games. Now Project X, another great game. I mean, I love a good side a side scroll and shoot 'em up. Um, mm. What what was your role in these games as well? And you, I mean, what inspired you as well, Project X? Because I, I always think of R type and so forth. What, what's, what's your feelings? Well, you just said you just said it was R type. I, yeah. I love R type on arcade, and I played it to death. So yeah. I played a lot of arcade games in those days. So. Uh, or at least prior to those days. Uh, so, um, and I mean, Rico also absolutely loved our type, and we we wanted to do uh, a shoot 'em up, basically. So that that's what it ended up being. Good on you. And, and you obviously worked on the sequel X Two No Relief. Um, how did you want to make the games a bit different from each other? What was your obviously? I think you was that a PlayStation exclusive as well. Um, mm. XT yeah. relief. So, what was your main sort of difference there? How did you want to try and make the games a bit different from each other? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that we love doing Project X and really proud of it. We were really, really proud of the uh, the game in itself. But I yeah. mean, when, when you got something as new as PlayStation were at the time, uh, the thought of what you could do with it and. Uh, all the things that you couldn't do on Amiga, basically, at that time. So, yeah, um, that's what really got us into doing. I think everybody wanted to do it, so that's what we ended up. Good stuff. I mean, Project X. I, I've played it. It's hard. I found it very difficult. Truthfully, um, did you purposely make it quite difficult? And it, actually, yeah, Andres, do you have a personal favorite sort of power up or boss in the game? Because 
uh, some of the long plays I've watched and some incredible bosses later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I think my personal pl- uh, power up was plasma, really. Yeah, uh, so that really. Uh, I think it was a bit unbalanced, and that's why you could really just hammer through the game with the plasma if you did it right. <laughs> I remember that tip. Cheap for you, because it was a tough game, wasn't it? Did you purposely make it quite difficult? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I thought I thought at the time that uh, a game, a shoot 'em up, should be really difficult. Uh, I think it's a part of what they are. Uh, a shoot 'em up that you can, you can just blast through would just wouldn't be fun. Uh, I mean, it would be a nice demo, but that that would be all it is. Um, so I think that Project X, the original, was even though hard, I think it was still where it was supposed to be. Yeah. Maybe a bit hard, but not too hard. Uh, X2, on the other hand, unfortunately, I think ended up being too hard. Yeah. That, that also showed, uh, and I think there was a Japanese, we went over to Japan to Capcom, uh, which uh, published a game over in Japan, and uh, their playtesters sat down and made a really, really good version of it. Uh, that unfortunately never really made it back to Europe. Oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, that was a lot more playable. So. I think the original European or US uh, X2 was just, in my own opinion, uh, too hard. And that's really, really difficult because you really need someone else to balance the game. When, when you sit with it every day and you make the enemies and you make mm. the player and all that, uh, it's kind of difficult to get the balance right because it was too easy for me anyway. <laughs> because you knew where all the enemies would turn up and you knew the sort of, yeah, all the and, weaknesses and all, yeah. How to make the game, I, I could. At the time, I could play the game through without losing a life. Uh, that's how you... Oh, good on you. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I did, as I said, I, I didn't know exactly how to do it. So, I mean, in that sense, it wasn't difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, X2 famously had no story, and that's quite quite unusual for any sort of video game. Um, and I think you were just urged just to simply attack. I mean... Was mm. it, I don't want to say that as laziness, but was that a conscious effort just to say this is just a pure fun game? Was there? How come there was no um, no story for the XT? No, yeah, I think it was a conscious uh, conscious decision <laughs> in that sense that uh, no, you, we didn't really think that it needed a story. Mm. Uh, it was a bit of making a point that no, this is true to just hammer it, have fun, <laughs> uh, blast things, and that's about it. Yeah, good stuff. Did you? Was there ever any um, work or even comments to, on a, on another sort of project X, project X three? Maybe Did it ever, ever, was that ever discussed? No, I, I think that uh, another thing that uh, project X showed that that was uh, already a bit too late uh, with three yeah. D entering uh, both PC and uh, PlayStation uh, in a really hard way. I mean, people wanted other things than uh, than two D shooter maps. Nah, fair enough, yeah, no, it's a fair point, really. Um, I'd love to sit now to watch Super Frog, if that's all right. Yeah. I love Super Frog, I have to say. The Amiga, um, when I used to play it as a kid, a lot of my friends had a Mega Drive, they had a, and a Snares, and they played Mario and Sonic, and for a while, the Amiga did struggle to have any decent platformers. Um, mm. I, I, I've got a soft spot for Zool, I have to say, but Super Frog was, um, I think, a good, a really good platformer that kind of showed... That yes, the Amiga could compete against Sonic and Mario. Um, was that your initial aim to try and make a game on the Amiga that could stand up against those massive players like Sonic and Mario from day one? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, is that yeah? Yeah, technically, because at the time, I think that um, we really wanted, well, I uh, really wanted to perfect the the engine, the the scroll routines, the sprites, uh, and well, the object functions, everything like that. Yeah. And we also uh, worked really hard on getting the tools in, uh, updated so that we could do things like that more easily. Um, and uh, I mean, Superfrog is technically alien breed, if you like. Uh, it's using exactly the same. I mean, that, that, that's the first time I can say that I was working on something that you, you could even compare to being an engine because it, wow. it could take uh, a 2D game. Uh, it had an editor, it had all the tools. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but I really wanted to just push it more and more and more. And with the speed of the scroll in, in, um, in Superfrog, then that, that was one of the things. Uh, yeah. But game wise, you're quite right there. I mean, uh, we wanted to make a platform at that point as well. We didn't consciously go out and try to, oh, we're going to take that and that and that mm. type of game and make it. But, uh, but that, I mean, we both played both uh, Sonic, which was one of my favorites, mm. and uh, Super Mario, uh, of course, and got, it's quite inspired by that. But we wanted to see, I mean, we really wanted to make and thought we could make something a lot better than were existing at the time on, um, on Amiga. Mm. So. Well, I think you succeeded, actually, to be fair. So I have to say I'm... I'm a fan. I played it a lot when growing up. Um, so just to confirm, you, you said that the engine for Alien Breed, which is a top-down view, could you use the same engine to make Super Frog, which is a sort of side scroll, you know, sort of side scroller platform. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's exactly the same engine. And that, and you, you created that engine um, from scratch. Is that right, Andreas? Or yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually even used in Project X. Was it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, Parts of it, at least. I mean, yeah, you can say that technically it were, but uh, the tools, uh, there was, uh, yeah, no, the, the tracks, it, didn't, it doesn't seem like it, but that mm. was a 360-degree uh, scroll routine, but if you locked it into just being horizontal, it, it was obviously wow. uh, tweaked to optimize for that bit, but yeah. Uh, I mean, that's incredible. It's great to hear that stuff. I mean, going off the questions a little bit, was there... Was um, there any other sort of games that you think this engine could develop? Was there? Could it make driving games? Could it? Could it pretty much do everything? Do you think? Or how yeah, far? I think it actually. I mean, the, the actual original map editor, as we call it, was, yeah. well, the level editor, uh, was uh, initially started to be. I mean, was started to be used on uh, Miami Chase. Wow. But okay. It really, really um, basic at that time, obviously. Uh, but it, it did grow a lot, uh, de- developing um, Alien Brick. I think the only game it wasn't used on at all was uh, Full Contact, the first time they That's really, that's really, really interesting. Thank you. Um, back to Superog. I mean, I, I love it. I think it's fast. It looks re- really, really nice. Brilliant graphics, and it really sort of promoted the player to explore and find hidden treasures. Um, I mean, how do you reflect back on the game? Um, and do, do you feel like it is the sort of game you envisioned? Was it the, the perfect platform or was it the game you, you, you really wanted to make? Yeah, it, it was. I, I think that with the t- time given that we could spend on doing the game and and, uh, and all that, I think that uh, uh, I don't think we could have pushed it much further uh, at that point. We could certainly have made an, uh, a number two later on if the Amiga market would have survived that long. But, yeah. Uh, 
But uh, I think that at the end of the day, uh, after quite quite a lot of struggling, to be honest, because we uh, it did take a while to make that game. Um, I think we we reached the goal finally, and we were really happy with, with what we released. Good stuff. So you, you mentioned Super Frog Two. Was that uh, was there early discussions about that, or was that never no, been? not really, no, uh, not at that time. I mean, yeah. I think that. The, all the games made with the success of Alien Breed 2, for example. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that any game you you made at that time, you wanted number, you wanted a sequel. Mm. So I mean, I, I think that if the Amiga market had gone on longer, then the 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 discussion would obviously have come up. Uh, we would probably wanted to have done that, but uh, especially with the AGA chipset and all that, and starting yeah. to use more and more Amiga technology and make it nicer, but uh, or better looking and bigger tracks, better enemies and all that, but uh, um, he didn't get much of a chance to do that. That's a shame. I mean, while we're talking about the Amiga, I'd, I'd be so interested to hear your view. I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think the Amiga has such a great run of so many stellar years and it just kind of fizzled out very quickly. Why do you think, in your personal opinion, I think there's no probably a better person to ask, really, why do you think the Amiga did sort of die out really quickly? Um, what's your views on that? I think the... the Timing when uh, 3D games started to show up on PC and the console started to make decent uh, 3D graphics, PlayStation, of course. Mm. Um, I think the timing that Amiga didn't have that ready uh, just made it so, to be honest. Uh, PCs got really cheap, uh, and I mean, uh, there was a completely different market, but I think it, it went really fast from... Some people diverged into consoles, or so some people bought their PCs, yeah. and there weren't really any place for Amiga anymore. I think, yeah. I think that if they had released another generation with a really good 3D chipset on it, which uh, allegedly were on, on its way, oh. <laughs> uh, then the, the, the story would have been different, maybe. But uh, oh, If only. That's why I wish. I'm a massive Amiga fan. It's such a shame, in a way. To me, too. I, w- I wish it would have happened, but... Uh, it just never was meant to be. Um... Really quickly, just to finish up on Super Frog, do you think, I mean, there's lots of reboots now, Bubsy's come back with a new game, and Untold Mario platformers, do you think there's any room, even in today's crazy world, that a new Super Frog platformer could work? Um, Mm. And if if so, would you ever be interested in that sort of game? Yeah, I would. Uh, I have no idea if it could. Uh, It's extremely difficult to say but I can say that if it were to be made it would have been have to be extremely polished and I think it would have to have a lot of humor animation in it in order for yeah for it to get anywhere but I'm not sure um, games market works so different nowadays it's, it's <laughs> yeah that's a fair point um what the one thing I loved about team 17 um, they always seem to work on Loads of different titles, loads of different genres. Um, I mean, I, was there always a clear conscience in your, in you, you and your team's um, sort of discussions to make very different games from each other? I know you, you spoke about a few sequels, but you know mm. we're talking about top-down shooters, platformers, racing games. I mean, was that always part of your kind of remit, always to mix things up a little bit? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure it was a conscious choice and so this is how we're going to do run this company or anything mm. like that. I, I think uh, in that kind of sense, it, we, we just made the game that we at the moment felt like doing. Uh, uh, and 
well, we, we had different favorite games. Uh, we wanted to make something based on the games we loved. Uh, yeah. And hence the inspiration from all the games we talked about. Uh, and uh, I think that's how it came, came about. I don't think it was too much of a conscious decision. Or so. Okay, fair enough. Um, you may disagree, Andreas, and feel free to say this, but I would make an argument that Worms is probably Team 17's maybe most popular and maybe even most important title because they've had so many sequels and so many different versions of the game. Um, mm. What Did you ever work on Worms? I mean, it was one of their biggest games. Um, and what... Were you really excited about the game when it was first being built? What was your views on, on that particular title? Oh, it certainly were uh, an extremely important... Uh, it was a deal-breaker for Team 17 at some point, I think, as well, because, uh, I mean, uh, it got so incredibly popular and sold yeah. so well, uh, and it never really ever stopped. Mm. It just bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and I think it's an amazing game because... I'm into games, at least I am nowadays, if nothing else, uh, into games that got great game mechanics and makes you laugh. Yeah. And that's what he does. So uh, I think that the whole company worked at Worms at some point. Uh, it, it was that big and it just took over and uh, we needed to push it out, basically. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, company effort going into that. My, I was part of that, of course, and I think that uh, if it were to work one title, it was a side title, I think it was sister title or anything like that, uh, which was one blast, one blast where I worked. Oh, okay. Made some things, uh, but uh, I mean, the whole company was involved in that, so it's difficult to just pinpoint something and say that you worked on that. Sure, no, understood. I mean, it's still going today, isn't it? They're still making worms today. Yeah, yeah. amazingly. Yeah. Um, out of all the games you worked on, or even just the Team 17 games that were built during your time there, do you have a personal favourite title? And if, if so, which one do you look back with the most sort of fondness? Uh, I think that would actually be the Amiga too, because uh, as yourself, I'm a great Amiga fan and that, that whole yeah. era and all that uh, surrounding it was amazing. Now you look back at it, it's, uh, it's never going to happen again. You know, at least I don't think so. Yeah. Not that way. Uh, and I think that the one we had most fun working on um, was Alien Breed 2, I think. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, what I like about Alien Breed 2, it took the you know, it took the first game and it just improved on everything. And it, for me, it was, it was almost like the perfect game in the Amiga. It's, it's up there for me. It's an absolutely incredible game. So <laughs> I, I have to say that's a good choice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I think it was a lot to do also with that. Uh, it was the first step into the AGA, uh, which yeah. obviously, at least for me, and uh, obviously for Rico as well as, uh, as an artist, was the opportunity to do something with AGA and really push things a lot farther. But even so, we, we made it so that it worked on uh, on the pre-AGA machines as well. So, I mean, uh, it was quite interesting to make something that's going to work out of the box on two different yeah, like two different Amigas, yeah, like the 500s and 12,000s, yeah, that's mm. very interesting. Um, I'd love to know, I mean, I think some of your titles, Alien Breed, Super Frog, uh, Project X, they could have worked on consoles, they could have really done very well on the Mega Drive and, and the SNES, but how, how come Team 17, at least then, didn't really look to really sort of tap into the console market? Any, any ideas why? I think that they weren't in a hurry. Uh, I think yeah. that's uh, the uh, 
main point at that time because we were, we were so much into Amiga and we did well on Amiga. And I think that uh, it wasn't any focus on actually releasing it on consoles. We, we were an Amiga company uh, for a long time. Um, and now you can, of course, think afterwards, that, yeah, why, why wasn't there more focus on that? <laughs> That's easy to say when, when, when you set that with, uh, uh, in the future. But yeah, um, I can't really say why. Uh, we didn't really think of it that much. Yeah, mm. yeah fair enough. Um, how do you compare the really early days of Team 17, uh, or even the really early days of Team 7, until you sort of left the last sort of few months of Team 17? I'm assuming that the company grew, I think you were there for 12 years, I, I assume it grew quite quickly over time, but was there a different sort of atmosphere, or do you look back fondly at all times, or how, how would you explain your time looking back? Yeah, um, I mean, in the beginning it was... Uh, is this ever going to work? <laughs> it felt like one big experiment, and uh, I was just sort of living a dream, coming out of school and actually getting paid to to do computer games, which were uh, quite unique, uh, at least in Sweden at that time. So, I mean, it was really weird and wonderful times, uh, and you were, of course, very naive on how things worked and all that, but you learned. Uh, and I think... The reason I left in the end was that it became increasingly hard to work remote yeah. from Sweden. So there was only really the option left to either move to England permanently or to to do something else. So I had to move on, basically. Uh, that was heartbreaking for all of us, to be honest. It's, it's not, uh, it was probably one of the most difficult choices I've ever made. Wow, so, wow, okay, and obviously, are you still in contact with lots of your ex-colleagues from Team 17, like Martin Brown, or... Rico lives in Sweden still, today, yeah. so uh, we're in contact uh, most of the time, Yeah. Um, and likewise with Martin, uh, we keep in contact quite a lot, and we meet a couple of times over a year, okay. so uh, we, we keep in contact, uh, all of us actually, so even... Uh, Alice Brimble as well. I mean, oh, what, what great music he created for Alien Breed. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, isn't it? It's a very, very talented music. Oh, man. I mean, uh, you kind of mentioned it a bit before about how this is never going to happen again, the kind of sort of small company sort of philosophy. I mean, mm. you Team 17 was a small company, yet you were t- making so much, so many iconic games. I mean, it must be incredible when you think back at those days in a way. It is, yeah. It's uh, quite... Uh hard to get the grip on now. <laughs> yeah. And it's so... Di- I sh- oh, tell me, Andres, I- I'm assuming it's so different in today's sort of video game industry. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just grown incredibly. And the market and people wanted to make money on it and big big companies, big cash, yeah. it just works completely differently. I don't know where to begin. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> sad in a way, I think. But anyway, I suppose that's the time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is it true then, Andres, when you when you left Team Seventeen, you started up? Is it Custom Red Software Studios? What yeah. was that your own personal company, and what, what, what sort of what was your inspiration behind that, and what was your sort of first games you worked on there? Uh, yeah, it's just a first time company down uh, uh, in south of Sweden. Uh, what we did was just, we we basically managed to convince an American uh, publisher, um, Fresh Games, to. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, uh, fund us to make a casual game, uh, which was Zen Games, and we, we went on doing that for a while. And we, uh, in parallel, we started to build up 
basically a group of artists that uh, that then Rick Holmes came in and joined us for a while uh, and uh, made um, basically content, artistic content and animations and all that yeah. for Team 17 and Valkyrie Entertainment, etc. While we were also doing this Fresh Games business. And, uh, and uh, so we started and left after five years and I think they continued for a year or two, maybe, uh, along those lines. And that's when I started uh, working on, uh, when I moved to Stockholm and uh, started working on Avalanche. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Avalanche Games, I mean, a big company. I mean, you worked on some huge titles. I've got here The Hunter, Just Cause Titles, Renegade Ops. I mean, what, yeah. what, what was that like? How, how, uh, what was it like working at Avalanche, maybe compared to Team 17? Was it a whole different kind of atmosphere, same different setup? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, but on the other hand, it, it's also private. It was then a private held company, mm. uh, which was still owned by the people who started it. Yeah, uh, Christopher Sundby and uh, Linus Blomby and his brothers and all that. So, I mean, uh, uh, it wasn't all that different. It, it could have been, if you want to call it worse, but it, it wasn't like a big, huge uh, public held company and all that. All yeah. that. Uh, so. Uh, I think that it was quite, uh, it's not the shock that you think it was, uh, because what, what I ended up uh, starting as was uh, as uh, an architect in uh, uh, doing stuff for um, Just Cause 2. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I did that, and I was really happy to do that, because, I mean, after running my own company after five years, that was different, though, I can tell you. Uh, it was quite relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Good. I mean, I... I think one of your most recent titles you worked on, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's Just Cause 3, a big, you know, another massive title, you know, a hugely popular series. What was your exact role in that game and how did you want to make the game Just Cause 3 different from its predecessors? I think, well, while I worked on, on, uh, while I worked on a lot of different things, uh, technically, on uh, Just Cause 2, a lot of optimization and uh, and additions and features, uh, I think that's, just for three, I worked mostly on uh, the team with the team that did uh, the volumetric terrain. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Um, right, Andreas, I've got a few sort of, sort of random questions now, so I hope you <laughs> hope you got some interesting answers. But I, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Um, uh, if you could be transported in, into any of your video games, so any sort of game you've made, and actually live there for a day, which game would you choose and why? I don't think you're going to say Alien Breed somehow. <laughs> uh, not Alien Breed. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Probably Super Frog, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's a lovely, it's a yeah. lovely looking place. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I just lay down on the the fields there on the, on the first level and uh, relax for a bit. I think it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you actually. Yeah, I mean, no, you, a lot of the games you worked on would be quite dark, haven't they? Actually, quite dangerous places. So that's quite a tough question. Yeah, I think that's the only one you can go into without getting killed. <laughs> yeah, and even then there's quite a few spikes knocking about, isn't there? So you've got to be careful. At least I know where they are, so I mean, that'd be right. <laughs> um, a bit, another bit of a random question. If you could be trans... Uh, sorry, if you could travel back in time and work on any video game in the past, would there is there any game you think, oh, I'd love to have worked on that, or you'd love to be involved in this series? What sort of game would you have loved to have got your teeth into? I'm going to be boring now and say Outrun. Uh, Outrun, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine having worked on, on a classic game like that? Yeah. That's a great answer. I know one of um, Arcade Attack's uh, 
where Keith, who who, who helps out the uh, podcast, will, I'm sure he's he loving your answer. He loves. I mean, Outrun's a classic, so yeah, that's yeah. a good shout. It's just iconic to me in so many ways. I mean, uh, it, it's got to be Outrun. I can I can think of a few other titles, but that's definitely the, the first priority. Good the, answer. The, good answer. Um, well, actually, what games do you like playing? Um, is there any games you really love playing today? Uh, are you a gamer outside of actually working on games? No, I don't. Uh, I worked on um, uh, since I left uh, Avalanche. I worked on King for quite a while. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, engine work as well. Uh, even though you you did get a lot involved a lot with the game teams, so in, in that sense, I guess you kind of. Uh, and that, now I'm, uh, I've just started working on Unity, so... Oh, really? More technology. Uh, but yeah, the, well, it, it's a kind of what, what I really want to do now. I think that when it comes to games, uh, my main priority at this time is just to do something on your own, a hobby game, or work on something that's completely different for work. Uh, sure. Okay, uh, interesting. So... No, so so the the games you're working on at home, you don't think you can see yourself like selling them or you know more of a sort of hobby kind of thing? Is that right? God knows. I mean, I got the family today, and you only got so many hours in the week, so it's it's doubtful that uh, it's good. Well, yeah, I think that they're going to get something finished eventually, but God knows when. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I King. I yes, no lack of ideas, but I mean, it's, it's, the only thing you can do nowadays is. Something that fits maybe the mobile format or a, a casual game in that sense, uh, and, and uh, you, you have to have a good and inspiring idea, uh, and oh, then good. you can work from that. I guess. Good, good. So no, and um, so you're currently working at King, a huge company. I think it's a Candy Crush is their main sort, of, the main sort of game, and no, I think good on you. Um, look, Andreas, I really appreciate your time today and um, just talking to. You about Team Seventeen and the Amiga days. It just brings back so many good memories for me. Um, I guess I'll, just before we finish with the final question, what you know, we, we can speak about the Amiga all day, really. But w- was there any other sort of games in the Amiga you love playing? That you know, that, that what, what sort of games in the Amiga time really meant a lot to you, inspired you? Yeah, mostly the earlier games. I think uh, obviously the first game that really, really caught me was uh, Marvel Madness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, because I mean, at that time it was just a massive, great um, demonstration of what the machine could do, and it's also quite fun to play. So, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, what I think most people ask is Defender of the Crown. Yeah, that's a classic. That just completely blew my mind. So, I mean, good answers. Um, well, I hope one day we see Alien Breed again. Well, maybe. I'll just, I just I'm harping back to the Amiga days a bit too much, really, but. Thank you so much for your time. Just before I say goodbye, I've got one more sort of really random question. If you could share a few drinks with any video game character, who would you choose and why? <laughs> It'll be Pac-Man. Ah, oh, good answer. It, it looks like it can gobble a beer or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't deny that. I'm sure that's a good answer, actually. We usually get Lara Croft as our main answer, but Pac-Man, that's yeah. a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andreas it's been a real pleasure honestly it's been such a great um, great to hear your stories about the, the good old days at Team 17 and, and so forth so I'll leave you to it I know you're a busy man but I really appreciate your time today thank you thank you thanks for listening to today's podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK 
at KeithBarlow82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.